Okay, thank you everyone for uh, taking time out as uh, the semester starts winding down uh, as your busy schedule to hear from our panelists. Um, so, welcome to the Higher Education uh, Colloquium sponsored by the Center for the Study of Higher Education and the College of Education. My name is Jenny Lee and I'm the faculty member and director. Um, we are very honored to have our two guests today, uh, two CEO and foundation president, to talk about the role of foundations and partnerships with colleges and universities, particularly with the U of A. Uh, following that, I encourage you next week, we will have Roy Flores, the chancellor of Pima Community College, come out. And then two weeks after that, we will have Michael Crow from president of ASU to talk about his perspective. So we're winding to a close, but I think a very dramatic ending. Um, I'd like to introduce our two speakers with some brief uh, bios uh, to give you a little sense of who they are and where they're coming from if you do not already know them. Um, our first presenter will be uh, Jack Dewitt, a longtime Arizona leader in healthcare education and public policy. Jack Dewitt is the Flynn is joined the Flynn Foundation in June 2009 as the president and CEO. Uh, Mr. Jewett joined the foundation after serving as vice president for the university advancement at California State University Monterey Bay. Previously, he served in a variety of leadership roles within the private, public, and nonprofit sectors in Arizona for more than 40 years. Before moving to California in 2007, Mr. Jewett held senior public policy and government relations positions with the Tucson Medical Center for 13 years. He previously served as president of Territorial Newspapers, a family-owned publishing and printing company in Tucson. He served as the Arizona Board of Regents in 1998 to 2006, including a term as president, and five years in the Arizona House of Representatives from 1983 to 1992, and the final two years as majority whip. As a U of A graduate, Mr. Dewitt currently serves on the board of directors of the National Association of Governing Boards of Universities and Colleges, as well as the Tucson-based Thomas R. Brown Foundation. Uh, in addition, I'd like to introduce uh, Paul Luna. He is the president and CEO of the Helios Foundation. He brings more than 22 years of public and private professional experience to his experience, leadership role within the foundation. As president and CEO, Mr. Luna is responsible for guiding the strategic direction of the growing organization, cultivating strong community relations, and initiating strategic partnerships in Arizona as well as Florida for the foundation. Prior to his role in Helios, Mr. Luna served as the president of the Valley of the Sun United Way, where he led a community-wide fundraising effort approaching over $50 million. And under his presidency, Valley of the Sun United Way was consistently recognized for its model early childhood education, youth workforce development, and domestic violence intervention community initiatives. He serves, as well as uh, Mr. Jack Jewett, serves on a number of boards, more than I have time to list, but uh, their bios are available. And he, by the way, uh, Paul Luna is a graduate of Stanford University, and he holds a degree in civil engineering. So let's welcome them both. Well, good afternoon. Uh, it's, um, it's really a, a pleasure to be, uh, to be at the University of Arizona and to be back in Tucson. Uh, where I spent uh, most of my career. Now, we were, uh, I think Paul and I were both uh, encouraged not to dwell on the bad stuff uh, because you've already heard that. And so uh, uh, I won't spend a lot of time on the dire straits, uh, but try to spend more time on the switch over to a better future in this presentation. Yeah, a little bit about the, the Flynn Foundation. Uh, the Flynn Foundation was uh, established in 1965 
Dr. Robert Flynn and his wife Irene uh, founded the, the foundation. Uh, Dr. Flynn was a cardiologist in Phoenix. He was what I would call a carriage trade doctor at the Biltmore in the 30s and 40s and 50s. His father, John Flynn, uh, created a, uh, a program in Prescott. So uh, indeed, as the foundation was established, uh, it began to have an impact immediately, principally early on in the Maricopa area in Phoenix, but, but it be quickly became a statewide foundation. Um, and the, the mission, uh, quite simple, and certainly a mission that attracted me to the foundation last year to improve the quality of life in Arizona for future generations. Uh, most recently in modern uh, history, if you will, of the foundation, uh, the foundation has, has placed a, a, a great deal of emphasis uh, on the biosciences, which really stemmed from uh, its early interest in healthcare and uh, Dr. Flynn uh, uh, naturally was uh, very much involved uh, with not only uh, clinical uh, health care but also research and, and believed deeply in recruiting top talent to Arizona in, in the medical arena. Uh, we also are known uh, and I think most notably known on university campuses for uh, the Flynn Scholars Program that was established in 1985. It's a program that uh, I, I just have incredible pride. I, I've known about that program for years, but until you actually experience it from, uh, from my current vantage point, uh, it, it is just amazing uh, to see the best and the brightest students from Arizona high schools competing uh, for scholarships, uh, and these are students that can attend any university they choose to attend in the country. Uh, and they choose one of our universities in Arizona. Uh, we start in the fall with more than 500 applications and we go through a quite rigorous process and end up uh, in another week or so announcing uh, 20 Flynn Scholars. And so that program, we're celebrating our 25th year and, and we have about 450 uh, Flynn Scholars uh, around the country, around the globe, about a third of those scholars come back to Arizona. And that was the basis for the program, to avoid a brain drain uh, early on, uh, to keep as many of these uh, bright students in Arizona. There was a catalytic effect of that in terms of uh, the honors programs and the honors colleges that now exist that did not exist 25 years ago. But here we are at the University of Arizona with a distinguished honors program for top scholars, likewise at ASU and at NAU. The program is also very robust. We won't take full credit for that, but certainly the number of national merit scholars in Arizona today is a much different picture than it was 25 or 30 years ago. Um, the other part of our, our program is arts and culture. We've been investing in arts and culture for many years here in the uh, uh, Southern Arizona, uh, you may not have been exposed to a recent uh, uh, announcement. The, uh, uh, the Piper Charitable Trust and the Flynn Foundation have invested heavily in uh, a program called IMPACT, Metropolitan uh, Partnership for Arts and Culture, uh, to really focus on establishing a robust arts and culture community um, in the state of Arizona that would be catalytic in attracting um, uh, rounding out the cultural impacts of, that are so vital in a, in a uh, 
a great society, if you will, and uh, making sure that there was sustainable funding over time for that. And uh, the sustainable funding part uh, didn't quite work out, uh, that uh, there was uh, an effort to put something on the ballot uh, this year, and actually two years ago there was a lot of, of uh, effort put into putting something on the ballot. That didn't work out. This year it also didn't work out, and that program uh, uh, lost some of its uh, luster in terms of finding a sustainable funding source. In short, it was a victim of the times. And uh, if we can go to the next slide, um, uh, because today we do find ourselves in dire straits, and uh, and I think this is my only slide that deals with this, but I think it's important to set it up, uh, what you already know, uh, be, because we are at a, an absolute crossroads in Arizona. Uh, there's a reality at the Flynn Foundation that all of our programs, and we've invested uh, to the tune of 172 million, as the next slide will show, on education, healthcare, arts and culture since our inception. Every one of those programs are at risk today. And for any of these programs to fail or lose momentum, uh, they are, in some instances, almost impossible to get back. Uh, and, and speaking in terms of our investments, but also the broader investment in healthcare and education. But that reality uh, really set in for me uh, in, in terms of the role I now play in philanthropy upon my return to Arizona last, uh, last June. And uh, it really caused some deep thinking, not only my deep thinking, but, but our board and that continues. And if we go to the next slide, the, uh, uh, certainly our investment, uh, let me start with the Flynn Scholars Program. To just give one example, and, and this is one that let me spend a moment on because it, it's important and I think one that we all share. Our Flynn's, uh, Flynn Scholars Program, um, it has, it's always been competitive. So we, once we select our 20 scholars, the Flynn Foundation and the universities then, and others in the room know more about this than I do, but you have to go recruit those students because you're recruiting against Stanford or, or Yale or, or whoever else out there it also is, uh, has a beat on these students. Last year, with our 20 scholarships valued at about 80000 each for a four-year academic program, we were only able to recruit 17 students. So you'd ask, how'd that happen? Well, students are pretty, these are Flynn scholars, and they're pretty smart. And they quite frankly ask the question, are these universities gonna be there for me in four years? You know, what, what is the investment in Arizona in higher education? You know, I know that if I pick a, a university, uh, we know that, that that university is 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 distinguished and supported. Is that so in Arizona? And you may have read some of the same headlines. I think we all read nationally, and uh, you know Arizona was being hammered a year ago, and there was a consequence to that, and that's a pretty serious consequence, certainly for the Flynn Foundation, but I think for for Arizona, and it's just one uh, uh, point of darkness, perhaps that. Uh, 
uh, we were not able to recruit a full class. Well, this year, I, I uh, as kind of the quarterback, I called an audible and I said, let's name 23 scholars this year and get all 23 of them. Uh, now, if we get 20, we've got our budgeted class, but uh, uh, I'm hopeful that because we made some other changes, uh, we, our board adopted our plan and the universities have been working with us to recruit these 23 scholars and uh, we hope to get a class of 23 this year. The picture hasn't changed that much, uh, but I think we probably uh, uh, are telling our story maybe a little bit better. But in any way, wh whether you talk about Flynn Scholars, the long-term viability of our arts program as a result, I'm not sure I finished that story, impact uh, effectively went out of business this year uh, because uh, it was not sustainable. Again, it was a victim of, of the times and a testament to the fact that our strategic philanthropy uh, needs to pay close attention uh, to these dire straits and the consequences that we're facing. If you could go to the next slide, um, and, 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 and this is just to put a punctuation mark, I think that's it on the, on the bad stuff. Um, but certainly as we look at healthcare and uh, the, the consequence of graduate medical education and how that is going to have a dramatic impact on our ability uh, to create um, uh, uh, students at the College of Medicine in Tucson and Phoenix and uh, uh, clinical rotations. Uh, the, the, the cost because of the, uh, the, the budgetary situation to GME to access to kids care, we may get some of that back, but that's still going to, there's a lot of political drama that needs to play out. But these are very real impacts. And now if we can go to the next slide. The leadership challenges. Uh, you know, coming from me, uh, I, I wish it were different. Uh, uh, and others in the room have, have played in that arena. Policymakers, quite frankly, uh, the, the problems are extraordinarily complex. Uh, I, I don't think the, the problems that are facing us, none, none of us would have expected uh, the Great Recession and how profoundly negative it has been uh, on, on all of our institutions and, and most importantly on, on individuals. So these are very difficult times. Um, unfortunately, public policy decisions during this uh, most opportune time uh, oftentimes are driven by partisanship. Um, there's been a short-term uh, uh, fix rather than a long-term strategy, and we've seen that played out at the legislature, I think, uh, over the years. Our research tells us that the business community or certain segments of it are not nearly as engaged and, and in some cases have become disengaged. Uh, the, this is not only our own research, but as the next slide will reveal, some of you may be aware of the study, The Arizona We Want. The Arizona We Want report uh, uh, provided by the Center for Arizona for Arizona's Future, uh, former President Laddie Coor uh, commissioned the Gallup poll uh, to work with him, and that report came out in October. Uh, we're working very closely, and, and certainly Paul Luna uh, was a leader in that effort uh, on the Arizona We Want study. Uh, as I sat down with Laddie Coor last June, and he shared with me some of his uh, preliminary results. He was still putting this report together. But that first bullet uh, really leaped off the page at me, and that was focused on 
the feedback from the Gallup poll on what citizens think about public policymakers and, and um, uh, uh, elected public officials in Arizona. And only 10% felt that they were properly represented by their elected officials. Um, there was a disengagement. There, there, there was the, 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 the notion that what citizens of Arizona want is fairly simple to express. What they want are elected officials that will take the time to understand complex issues and solve problems and do so by working across party lines. That's not too tough to say. Uh, incredibly, it's very difficult in this current political arena for that to be executed. Um, certainly that study indicated that citizens place a high priority on quality jobs and a very high priority on education across the spectrum. So the, in, in thinking about and working with LADI, uh, talking to other foundations, talking to our board, and, uh, and commissioning a, a study by the Battelle uh, group, and uh, Battelle uh, Technologies and the Battelle Memorial Institute has done a great deal of work for the Flynn Foundation over the years. Uh, most specifically on the creation of the bioscience roadmap in the early uh, 2000s that continues to, uh, to play out and it's a measurable program. Uh, it it uh, reports out every year on our progress where we need work. Uh, and, and I felt that Battelle, they're not only uh, uh, are a great institute for the biosciences, but they're also uh, a great organization to, to delve into a study that I wanted them to do for the Flynn Foundation on this whole uh, notion of civic leadership. As we look at the dire straits and the consequences of those uh, dire straits that are also quite dire, it, it occurs to us that we need to focus on civic leadership. When we look at the mission of the Flynn Foundation, we look at the fact that it is focused on future generations, that it's focused on education, that it's focused on not what do we do tomorrow to get out of this, but what can we do today to set up that better future. And so we thought that an examination of, of civic leadership uh, might be appropriate. And so the Battelle Institute has been working on the first phase. We just reported to our board uh, last month on the first phase of, of our leadership uh, study, and we're deeply involved with the second phase right now. But it begins and you've had a chance to read this definition, uh, we believe it's a, a good one. Uh, the capacity of a community to identify, analyze, collaborate, and solve pressing societal needs and issues through the efforts of broadly engaged citizen organizations. All too often, I think each of us can think of an example where that definition is just simply not in play right now. Uh, not just in Arizona, but I think across the country and certainly in, in our, our national uh, uh, performance as well. So the, the scope of a civic leadership program, uh, we, we, the civic leadership piece uh, is, is on the right side. If we, if we looked at sustained and intensive service, whether it's public or private, uh, including running for public office, but it starts at the, the other end of the spectrum, which is really the fundamentals of civic engagement. And 
so as we look across that spectrum and think about civic uh, leadership as a, as a continuum, uh, it, it starts with civic engagement and it matures to a, a civic leadership uh, a program. That's the way we started to think about this, uh, this notion of, of uh, civic leadership. If we can go to the, the next slide. In, in the first part of the Battelle study, um, we looked at 200 organizations that, in Arizona that deal with civic leadership. And we established some criteria and narrowed down uh, to about 52 uh, or organizations that we uh, did a bit of a deeper dive and really studied. Uh, and, and we learned a great deal about civic leadership in Arizona by studying these, uh, these organizations. Uh, what we noticed in terms of limitations uh, were that budgets and staffs were quite uh, modest. Uh, some of the programs I graduated uh, many years ago, many, many years ago from a program in Tucson, a greater Tucson leadership program, and, and uh, it's still alive, but barely, uh, with a, a budget of uh, well under $100,000, a part-time director, uh, doing great things, but on a very limited basis. Uh, there, we noticed in our study that there wasn't a great deal of connectivity between organizations, uh, that there uh, was a focus on skills development, uh, uh, but, but not to the extent that you might expect in a leadership program, that the uh, performance measures were lacking, that there wasn't a lot of accountability, uh, and efforts to uh, have follow-on programs, uh, efforts to graduate leaders into progressive leadership positions and follow-on programs were not quite what we would have expected. Uh, so what was missing, in, in the next slide, um, uh, we uh, didn't, we, we saw that there, there were some gaps that civic leadership really wasn't being addressed on a statewide basis, uh, that there was really no guiding vision in terms of uh, anything close to meeting the definition that we just reviewed, uh, the collaboration uh, among uh, across sectors, not just uh, the philanthropic sector, I think, is probably more robust in terms of collaboration than perhaps some of the others, but uh, couldn't there be more collaboration across sectors in this space of civic leadership? And what would it be like if we were to create what we've now started to call an e epidemic of civic leadership? Would that be possible in Arizona? Maybe. Let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> so, we're quite serious about civic leadership, and we, we believe that uh, it is possible uh, to have a very high-quality program, uh, and we're, we're, we're looking seriously at what our role might be uh, and what the role of Flynn Foundation and other philanthropies that uh, would have an interest in this space and what that might look like. So today we are uh, beginning uh, as, as we venture out armed with data, isn't that novel? Uh, and, and, and with uh, beginnings of a game plan uh, to explore this space and how can the Flynn Foundation, working with others, uh, engage uh, the emerging leaders? Uh, well, let's go back further and, 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 and where uh, I'm sure Paul will spend some time uh, in, in the K-12 system and, and how do we 
uh, bolt on some programs that are focused on civics in the high school uh, uh, programs that uh, really zero in on Flynn scholars and others that have emerged and uh, uh, build a, a program that would have a statewide focus, that would have a vision to it, and that would begin to make a difference. And uh, as I've talked many times, when I was elected to the legislature, it was a very proud moment. Uh, the, the prestige, the, the honor that comes with that office of, of serving the public, of being elected, uh, putting your name out there, being elected, and, and having the honor to serve the public is a very high honor. Is it so today? Well, I ask you this question. If you went up to a very bright person that would make a great elected official and said, you ought to run for office, you're more likely to get a very strange look. Why would I want to do that? Well, we have to change that. To the extent that that is so, uh, wouldn't a robust civic leadership program start to put uh, some of the, uh, I, I have trouble coming with the right word, but, but there is indeed an honor to public service. And uh, we, we need to equip individuals with the qualities and the skill sets uh, in, in or, and the opportunity and the desire to, to serve, whether it's in public service or private service. Uh, there's a lot of work that can be done. The Flynn's assets that we believe could be put in, in play is that we are a, a, a statewide organization, and we believe this calls for a statewide approach. Certainly in our bioscience space, uh, we have a steering committee. Uh, we have strong programs in southern Arizona, northern Arizona, as well as uh, the state of Maricopa. And... Uh, and, and, and there's something to be said about having that statewide uh, 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 focus. Certainly, philanthropies and Flynn is no different. We do have a longer-term focus. We, we are blessed with the opportunity to think long-term. Uh, we are an experienced convener. If any of you have been to the Flynn Foundation, uh, we, uh, that building was designed 10 years ago to have a conference space that we provide free of charge to nonprofits that work in education, health care, or the arts. And that space is utilized by thousands and thousands of individuals and hundreds of organizations uh, throughout the year. And it, it, it's space that, uh, you know, it's easy to talk about convening, uh, but it, 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 it's powerful. And, we'll, and the next slide we'll talk about it a little more. Uh, but the Flynn Foundation, working perhaps with other foundations, provides this, this objective neutral platform, and we believe that is very important, particularly if we get into a civic leadership program. Uh, you, you can read the others there. The next slide is something that is really uh, uh, one that I just spend a moment on. That convening function is so important. Yeah. Uh, and as we've talked at lunch, it can have a very catalytic effect, uh, particularly if you convene people that may come uh, with different opinions, but uh, a willingness to collaborate, a, a willingness to, to build a consensus, and, and strong communications is certainly vital in that. I will give you one example, and it's less than 24 hours ago. Um, we convened at the Flynn Foundation a group of science thought leaders in the biosciences. These are people like, that uh, would be known to, to many of you, 
that were products uh, or served this institution, uh, Dan Bonhoff, uh, Jeff Trent, uh, Dr. Bill Christ, um, uh, Dr. Ray Woosley. Uh, these are individuals, uh, researchers and academics uh, that are uh, profoundly interested in uh, curing diseases and advancing research in Arizona through TGEN, through uh, CPATH, through other institutions and, and great research that's now going on in the state of Arizona. We talked about, among other things, a national biosignatures lab that could be absolutely, unbelievably catalytic and profoundly important for the future of Arizona. That if properly executed through the collaborations that we uh, brought to bear yesterday among individuals that can be competitive, uh, but also extraordinarily collaborative. Uh, working on a common mission that will absolutely advance uh, Arizona in ways that we can only imagine and dream about now. That is how profoundly important these five C's are, and we believe they can be brought to bear in the civic leadership space. <clears throat> Possible roles, uh, the next slide for, for a Flynn program. Uh, it could include uh, uh, developing future leaders uh, possibly uh, targeting the, some of the bio leaders, uh, but certainly beginning with Flynn Scholar graduates and, and others, uh, uh, bring educational opportunities to existing leaders engaging in, in uh, important public policy discussions more uh, rigorously, uh, advocating, and this is where that epidemic comes in, advocating for a civic leadership agenda and, and uh, uh, partner with other uh, stakeholders. Uh, uh, across sectors, uh, beginning with philanthropies. The, um, I, I brought a prop here. When I present, I usually always can find something to talk about in the New York Times. I'm, I have no stock in the New York Times. I used to have stock in the Arizona Territorial. That was my newspaper. The, um, uh, David Brooks is somebody I try to read every day. And to end on a, an up note here, uh, his column in today's paper, uh, no, Tuesday's paper, excuse me, it, it's entitled, Relax, We'll Be Fine. Well, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, Mayor Walkup, and it's just, it's going to be okay. So here's it's going to be okay quote. Uh, at the end of, of, of Brooks' column, uh, he, he writes, in 19, well, let me start with this term. As the rising generation leads an economic revival, it will also participate in a communal one. We are living in a global age of social entrepreneurship. In 1964, there were 15,000 foundations in the U.S. By 2001, there were 61,000. In 2007, total private giving passed 300 billion. Participation in organizations like City Year, Teach for America, and College Summit surges every year. Suburbanization helps. For every 10% reduction in population density, the odds that people will join a local club rise by 15%. The culture of service is now entrenched and widespread. In sum, the U.S. is on the verge of a demographic, economic, and social revival built on its historic strengths. The U.S. has always been good at disruptive change. 
It's always excelled at decentralized community building. It's always had that moral materialism that creates meaning-rich products. Surely, a country with this much going for it is not going to wait around passively and let a rotten political culture drag it down. Thank you.